following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Have you heard about Moo Money? Moo Money? Moo Money is a rewards program that lets you earn cash every time you buy real milk. I use mine to buy movie tickets. Movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, I see what you did there. Yeah. It was a musical. Uh-huh. Anyway, just head to MooMoney.com to start earning moolah. Got it. Moolah. Hurry, or everything I told you will be moot. Oh, please, no more moos. Someone's a little moody. Open to legal residents of the state of California, 18 years of age or older. Visit MooMoney.com for official rules, terms, and conditions. My name is Matt Perez. My name is Satchel Drakes. And this is Overworld, where we try to be curious, fail at being smart, and talk about video games at the intersection of art, society, and other stuff. But first, a quick break. Taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Veridesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. Hey, Satchel. Hey, Matt. What's going on? I'm doing all right. Uh, I, man, I really liked the gravel in your voice when you asked me that. I um, thank you. I very, tried. <laughs> it's very. It, it's. I'm feeling amazing for one because it's 70 degrees in New York, and also, I'm like it. It. It's so nice, and I'm kind of feeling very rested. So I, I've I've been in the middle of this uh, kind of tirade going through all of the uh, new additions, the the videos and the talks and stuff from uh, GDC on the GDC vault. Yeah. Uh, I, I know you went and you had a great time, obviously. Oh yeah. Um, I, the, there was there was one in particular that caught my attention um, about sound design and um, how to start out in that, and I thought that that was really intriguing. Like it was sort of like a do's and don'ts talk, but I thought it was intriguing because I'd never really considered um, what the sound design portion of video games are outside of just like you know people usually talk about. Like composition and the songs and the kind of tunes and the genre of the music that's there. You know, you hear about that all the time, but I never hear about people that are just putting together sound effects and the role that sort of plays in an experience. How about yourself? No, it's the same thing where, like, just thinking about it, there are a lot of games where um, if it has, if certain, you know, weapons or something have a cool sound, I know, like, Halo always comes to mind with it has, like, I, I it's weird to say, but it has like an iconic sound for certain things, and it has a very satisfying feel when it like that. It, it contributes to like the whole atmosphere and like the satisfaction of actually playing the game. So it is definitely something I feel is overlooked, and it's something that I'm interested in learning more about. A hundred percent. I even you know what's funny when I think about it, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like and I, I totally understand for triple A games, especially first person shooters, because I think there are a lot of cues that can be lifted from like just cinema, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of like Hollywood kind of blockbuster films. Um but but I even think about um just retro games and you know, typically you think about like da 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 or whatever. Like I can say that, yeah. you know exactly what it is. You have it's associated with a feeling like there's a there's 100% like a nostalgia sort of attached to these like sound effects for oh, yeah. like Mario, Zelda, whatever. Um, but what I also like is that it's almost like those sound effects built a lexicon of what to expect for future video games. Whether you're mm. playing a collectathon, let's say if you're playing Banjo Kazooie, like when you collect a puzzle piece, like there's even something about those sounds that hark back to harken back to to what we played like when we were younger. Yeah, if there's not um, so a satisfying I, I, little jingle it when I grab a note in Banjo Kazooie, I'm gonna be mad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Or, or like an arpeggiation if you keep collecting one thing consecutively after another, like when you're running in Mario and it goes da 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 So there 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 it's cool that there's sort of like a place for that. And I I'm really glad that we had a chance to uh to speak with a sound designer, Carly Knight, about um, sort of like the nuance of that and often things that, that get lost, misconceptions and how someone even gets into a field like that. So um, h- how do you feel about jumping in? Yeah, let's do it, man. Hey, everybody. So with us, we have Carly Knight. She is a sound designer in Seattle uh, with a company called Camouflage. Uh, she's worked on games such as Moss for PSVR and Super Lucky's Tale for the Xbox One. Uh, Carly, thanks so much for joining us. Thank uh, you for having me. I had heard about you through a couple of different things, but but one thing that I, I caught from your from your feed recently on Twitter was a talk that you gave at GDC um, regarding sound design. And I guess it, it piqued my interest because it feels like 
the kind of thing that I, I really don't, even though I feel fairly adjacent or I'm always kind of hearing talks around what's going on in the game development community. I don't really hear too much about sign design. And I wonder if a lot of people don't, I wanted to know if uh, you could, well, first off, just um, kind of share a little bit of your, your, uh, your story kind of getting into game development, like um, what kind of brought you in and uh, I don't know, I guess like what drives you. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Um, I have, kind of a common backstory as far as how I got into games goes for sound designers, which is I started out as a musician and got interested in audio engineering, like record engineering and producing and all that stuff and kind of started pursuing that in college only to find out after learning all that stuff for a couple of years that those jobs are really, really scarce and really, really competitive and you know, dwindling by the moment as, like, more people are able to, you know, record and produce their own music. Um, So I ended up going to this kind of uh, technical school or, like, a certification school, and they had a couple courses for video game sound design, and it really piqued my interest because I've been playing video games since, you know, my entire life, and I love video games, and I just had never, ever thought about doing sound design for video games, which is really weird, but it's just something that doesn't get a ton of visibility, I guess. So basically, once I realized it was a thing, I just went like full bore, learning as much as I could, and um, I made a couple connections. I got a really wonderful mentor who kind of helped me figure out how to, where to even begin, you know, because it's kind of a lot, and through, you know, hard work and quite a bit of luck, I landed an internship at a studio and this was like three, three years ago or so. And just kind of like went from there, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, that sounds great. How do you even go about finding a mentor in something like that? Like, is it through like undergrad or? It wasn't a formal process. Um, one of my classes had, um, had like a, had a, the teacher had a contact. He worked at uh, Double Fine, which was oh, just down the street because uh, this school is in San Francisco. So through this contact, he was able to arrange like a, a studio tour. So me and my class went and saw the studio and had a nice chat with the audio director there, Camden Stoddard. And I was just like, wow, this guy is so nice and so cool. And I just like there's so much I feel like I don't know and I don't understand what this job even entails. Yeah. So I asked him for his email address and like immediately was just like, I have so many questions for you. (laughs) Kind of like hunted him down and like requested to like come and meet up with him again, like later, like not with, you know, the rest of my class. And I don't know, we just kind of hit it off. And then from then from there and just like continuing the emails, we just got this natural mentorship going. Uh, but yeah, my school at at the time didn't have like a, a formal mentor network or anything. I totally hear you. That's a wonderful story. Uh, it seems almost unanimously when people talk about sort of a sonic experience within the context of video games, they're talking about um, they're talking about music, right? They're talking about like the composition, and I really never hear too much like outside of that uh, maybe there's like a couple jokes mm-hmm. about one sound sound like another sound or whatever or like a did you know gaming episode about how in order to like save storage space on a cartridge they use the same sounds and speed them up and slow them down or whatever i think when right and, and maybe i'm reaching here but i think that when when the layperson hears of sound design they're thinking about sound at least within the context of films they're like oh like from films i hear about sound design that's that dude holding the boom microphone in the forest to get the sound of like a twig cracking it for, for people who might not be 100% well averse on, um, on what sound design is. I would love if you could sort of explain that. And then also uh, what it's sort of like within the context of video games in particular. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely like an everyday struggle for most of us in that like (laughs) when I tell somebody that I've just met that I'm a video game sound designer they're like oh great you make music I'm like no actually (laughs) I don't do music at all like we hire a composer for that I don't touch it my like brain would explode if I had to compose for jobs (laughs) um 
so so yeah naturally then the question is well like what the hell is sound design <laughs> um and sound design is you know anything you hear that's that's not music like that that stuff isn't just like there you know I think with with movies a lot of people don't realize that that almost all of the sound that they hear it that was not recorded on set like somebody later went and added that sound because the the on location sound is is not good at all either that or like a lot of times things don't sound the way they don't sound satisfying you know like a classic example is like a sword swing like if you grab a sword right now you know just laying around in your room or whatever <laughs> and you swing you know, it it's those not swords really going to sound rooms, like yeah. anything or at least <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not going to sound like how you're used to hearing it and so you know some somebody has to record and edit and process something to to have that more satisfying sound and a lot of times you're not using the object you know like i if i want to record if I if I need like a a sword swing sound effect, I'm probably not gonna like buy an actual sword and record that. I might like buy like a a bamboo stick and start recording myself swishing that around and stuff. It's I totally hear um, that. You know, it's, it's just funny that, it's that that almost never about, what you expect um, it to be. Like uh, oh, please hold that thought. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> it, it makes me think about oh, no, the, those moments when it happens in films all the time. Maybe they've gotten better about it now, but like. Whenever someone like raises a gun, like there's always a sound of like the gun cocking, and I'm like, why is there a sound of the gun <laughs> yeah. cocking? They're, they just raised their gun. Or uh, if someone steps right. up to a microphone, there's always that feedback that well, it's like that's not how mics work. Like, but there is, exactly. but there's something about exactly. associating those. I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like as as a sound designer in video games, we actually kind of have to deal with a lot of those strange expectations that have been kind of built up by film and, and movies. Mm. Um, you know, sometimes we have one way that we want to go about a sound and, and people want it to sound more like what they expect in movies. <laughs> so there's that for sure. Um, Would you happen to have yeah, any I mean, most examples? Of my job is... uh, sorry to make you think on the fly if there's anything that sort of comes to mind for you. Okay, let me think for a second. I mean, sure. my mind is like a jumbled mess of of sounds right now. But um, <laughs> I I would say oh, that that guncock one was really good. I mean, one thing that that happens a lot is like people expect you know like let's say you you have a weapon that's like kind of like a gun, but maybe it's not, and like the the sound you need a sound that gives feedback of like you're trying to shoot and you're out of ammo so it has like a, a clink type sound mm, like yeah that's an expectation that almost everybody has because of you know what we're used to but you know sometimes in the context of the game like that doesn't make sense that it would do that because of how the gun is constructed in the mechanism and maybe it's like energy and not like a bullet and like you know all these right. reasons to explain why it actually shouldn't have that very specific sound but like because it, you know, you hear it and you instantly know what it means. It is powerful to still use that, even if it might not make the most sense in the context of, like I said, the game and, and what the weapon may or may not be. That's really And like, yeah, and, and it kind of like goes to show that there's, you know, the, the, um, the purpose of sound a lot of times is to relay... Uh, gameplay like design stuff there's a lot of times where you know I'll be in a meeting talking with designers and artists and other members of other disciplines and maybe there's like an issue of you know this player no matter what we do in all of our testing and all these things we've tried they won't look into this corner over here they won't look into the direction that we need them to look which actually happens in VR a lot Oh, and man, that's wow. a case yeah. where, as a sound designer, I have an opportunity to, to solve that problem, you know, like, I'll just make an interesting sound come from that direction, and then the person looks problem solved, you know. I, I'm guessing this is the so value of sound is audio, like, yeah. What was that? And maybe I'm reaching here, I'm, but I'm guessing that this is the value of 3D audio, being able to sort of perceive, like, oh, there's something behind me that I might not have... Yeah, at. I hadn't even I mean, really considered it... in VR that just the general periphery is much narrower 
than that of what you'd have in a game where you might be using like a widescreen angle to look at everything. Yeah, I mean, in a in a non VR game, you control the camera, like what the player looks at, for the most part. Um, in in VR, the player's like face is the camera, and they could be looking wherever they want at any point in time. And if you like change that, you force it or you lock it, you're gonna make them like throw up. Right. You know. So it's. <laughs> I hadn't even thought it's about a, that. It's a a harder challenge, and 3D sound for sure helps, but. The longer I work in VR, the more I'm convinced there is not not one solid solution. Like just processing everything with an HRTF spatializer isn't always the, the best way to go about it. But that's that's a big long topic. Sure, yeah. I mean, that, that that makes me want to start asking. Like, so like, is it a challenge working in VR? Obviously, I don't want to put you in a weird situation if you're working on stuff like that with your company and make it sound like you don't like it. But um, I'm guessing it carries its own unique kinds of challenges. Yeah, I, for the record, I really love working in VR. Um, and I do like the extra challenges and stuff. And um, I'd say in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's worth it. You know, it's, it's a good time working on it. But um, the challenges are many. And a lot of it has to do with it being just such a young medium and... Yeah the the tool support and the pipeline support is just really not there or like maybe it's there for a very short amount of time because this one company made a really great tool and then they like got bought and stopped supporting their tool like that's happened so many times yeah so that's like a big struggle and then of course the other big struggle is it's just such a such a such a difficult thing with with like how how do you make somebody feel like they're actually in a space how do you make them feel immersed in something that they can believe like the brain is so good at at figuring out that something's not real so you just have have to really be on top of your game like very very well not your literal game but you know you have to just like be really really sure that you're making good quality content that really makes sense What's like the workflow like like on a team like during development for a sound designer? There's a couple, you know, every every studio either it's AAA or indie um or let's say somebody's freelancing like that workflow is going to be massively different. Uh but I can tell you what my <laughs> workflow is <laughs> and that is um you know, I try I try and be as as much a part of everything that's happening like while it's happening because there's kind of this um this problem where where a lot of sound design is done like at the very end like you have let's say you have a character and it's been concepted and it's been you know modeled and rigged and animated and then vfx does does their stuff and then sound comes in and that's kind of what uh, what causes us to to crunch a lot and to um, oh man crunch just again. like go out of our minds <laughs> trying to work on too much content at once. So um, so yeah, I try to I try to be really active in development. So I go to you know a, quite a lot of meetings and um, and make sure I know things that are coming into the game as soon as possible. And so, like, let's say I find out about something that's being concepted. Like, I'll start up a DAW session and I'll start sketching out, like, if I have time, uh, sketching out some ideas for, like, generally how do I want this, you know, let's say this character's, like, weapon to sound. Um, Mm. You know, and... I'm so curious um, to know, like, what the... What sketching actually means like in your doll like what is that what is sort of like a sonic sketch look like oh yeah that is kind of a strange term that <laughs> i tend to use i mean it makes perfect um, sense that's the, it's the really the only analog we have but yeah I'm, I'm very curious yeah there's there's a lot of like visual terms we kind of steal because sometimes with sound it's just hard to describe yeah you know our process um but but let's say i'm sketching is like 
you know, I, I really like working with synthesizers, so maybe I'll make a few patches that are in the ballpark of, of what I want. Um, and I'll start gathering some source. Like, you know, we have really, really massive libraries of sounds that either we've recorded in the past or somebody else has recorded and we've bought that license to the library. Um, so, you know, if I know this weapon is going to be like kind of elemental with like some fire elements, but then also like big chunky metal moments, like, you know, I'll dig through my library and see what I have and drag that into the session and, you know, process process that stuff with various effects and plugins that I have or at that point I could realize I don't have good samples for that so I'll block out some time to record it later you know do you feel like there are a lot of VR titles out there that are handling the use of sound design to directing the user's attention very well and is this is Skyrim one of them uh Skyrim VR probably not I mean I've played it for uh, a couple hours, but it kind of made me sick. <laughs> so, me too, um, actually. <laughs> that one was a little. I, what was that? Me too. I was like, I like picked every time I pick up yeah. like a tome or something, and I'm reading it like in VR with the book floating uh, in front of me. Yeah, I want to like in VR is just really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to like diss on any of you know other people's hard work and such, but Skyrim VR definitely felt like it got very little, if any, like audio treatment as far as like we're porting this game to VR are we going to change anything to make it a more comfortable or more powerful experience like I'm not entirely sure that that happened granted you know like I said I only played it for a couple hours but I don't think that I don't think that it has anything like that like I don't I don't even know if the audio is is spatialized or not and we'll be right back after this quick break Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies the people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And there's Rocket Mortgage. Support for the Forbes Overworld podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your tenth, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. Definitely sounds like when we talk about like writing in games, it's like a discipline that oftentimes is left to the last minute and has to be like retrofitted to the design. And I feel like maybe is that mm-hmm. like what sound design is sometimes where it's like retrofitted at the end and it is an extremely important part of the experience itself. Like you can have like a nostalgic memory just from like a few notes from Metroid, you know? So, uh, yeah. I, I, is that something that you see oftentimes? It's like uh, just afterwards it gets, or it's, it's often thought as an afterthought, I guess. Oh yeah. I mean, it's almost always an afterthought <laughs> and it's, you know, kind of up to the audio team to to really work hard to advocate being there early. You know, like a lot of 
smaller studios will not hire a sound designer until they are like two months from launch. Um, and that's just like a practice that they think is okay because, you know, a sound design will, a sound designer will come in and they will get the job done and they'll be like, okay, that was great. But whether what they're missing out on is, you know, the sound designer iterating, making the sounds, you know, better and, and fit the world and the palette and the vibe better because they've spent more time with the project. And also like there is good, there's, there can be a really good back and forth between sound designers and other disciplines, you know, like if I, you know, let's go back to, I guess that like gun or that weapon concept, you know, like I quote unquote sketched out some stuff and maybe I sent it out to the concept artist, like, Hey, this is what I put together inspired by your concept. Like, just check it out. And then they listen and they're like, oh, wow, that's awesome. That inspires me to change how I am, like, concepting this or, you know, change the colors or, or, or something like that, which has happened to me before. So, you know, that, that's not going to happen if, if audio comes in, you know, in the last two months of the game. And so people just kind of miss out on that, and it's a, it's a bummer. I'm curious to know, what a... What's the sound design community like? Like, is there like a secret small Discord chat that I don't know about? <laughs> I, I, I just picture, a bit, based, based on the way that it's like described, actually, I picture like sort of like a voice actor community where like there's just like this tight knit group of people and they all know each other and they're spread out across the country. Like, um, I mean, there pretty much is. So it's not it's not Discord, but there's a Slack. It's just called the Game Audio Slack. Wonderful. And uh, it has, I think at this point in time, like 600 plus members, Um, you know, so it's not, it's not an all encompassing group of like every audio person ever for sure. But it's like quite a lot of people. Um, And I've been in that Slack for a few years and I've met so many people, so many amazing people. And I've kind of seen how the community tends to ripple out from that Slack onto Twitter because there's also like hashtag game audio on Twitter and it's like all the same people. Um, And they (laughs) love talking about game audio and like the community is just like very, very excited to share and very excited to um, just talk about what we're working on and talk about techniques that we're, you know, discovering and, and all of that, like they just, the, the community is, is super, super tight knit and and pretty excited, which is just so good. Like when I was starting out, I thought that everybody was going to be like, you know, competing with each other and, um, I don't know, conniving and, and mean and cutthroat, but that's like, it's, it's actually like quite the opposite. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like starting out, like where you were freelancing and, you know, um, like how that all came about and trying to like finding that community as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't start freelancing. Like I said, I, I really lucked out with an internship and that internship uh, grew into, you know, a full, a full-time job for me. And um, I was at that studio for a couple of years and then I took on some freelance contracts because a couple of people... Uh, reached out to me and I was like sure I want to work on that Um, so yeah I kind of just like fell into freelancing for a little bit there but um, but yeah starting out was it was it was pretty difficult because um, you know until I got that internship I didn't really know what I was doing and um, it's just it's really hard when you you look at all these jobs and all of the job descriptions are like you know, for like junior sound designer are like minimum two years experience. And you're just like, well, where the hell am I going to get that two years experience? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, Real. Yeah. It's, Real. it's yeah. just so, it's so hard. And, you know, you just like imagine in your head, like whenever you apply for something, you know, that there's like hundreds of other like incredibly talented people that you're competing against. So, you know, I got into like pretty dark headspace when I was starting out. But like I said, like having my mentor to talk to helped me kind of ignore those feelings a little bit better. Um, 
and then once I once I found the game audio community, everything got just a lot easier, and I felt a lot more confident about myself and about my like place in in video games, you know. And um, I got connected into the community because there's actually a really big Seattle game audio meetup, and we we meet that, up like that's so opportune. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I really, I really lucked out. I had no idea. Like, I'm, I'm from the Seattle area, so I was just like, oh, what? There's like the largest game audio meetup in yeah, the country, like here. Is it like? But, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. What? I was gonna say, is it like, uh, like I guess a problem uh, in freelance writing is the idea that you shouldn't like ask to be paid and you have to take some free opportunities and stuff. Uh, but you uh, know, there's like. That's not like it's one of those things where it's like I think people underrate themselves and are afraid to ask like, oh, this is my time. The work I've put in, I probably should be compensated for it. Is that like a problem yep. within sound design and, and any I guess like any type of development work that you do like in the in- indie space? Yeah, it's a problem with sound design. And, you know, when I was a student, there were a lot of my classmates that would pick up freelancing jobs and the teachers be like, would be like, oh, that's great. Uh, are you getting paid? And they'd be like, no. And they're like, you can't do that. Because, like, for one, it's really unhealthy. You know, like, you, you have to be making your money from somewhere. So if you're working for free, that means you're probably, like, bending over backwards, working really hard at another job. So you're, like, not giving your your complete focus and your complete, like, skills and creativity to this freelance job because you're you know torn in two different places so that sucks and then the other part that sucks about it is it's teaching whoever thinks it's okay to pay you for free or you know to not pay you that it is okay and then they're going to turn around and expect that of other sound designers and other composers so it's like not just bad for you to do that work, but it's bad for everybody right. if you're doing well that work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also, I guess, uh, I don't know, I, I guess like it's a new age, right? Where you can actually do work for yourself, I guess, where you don't necessarily need someone's platform to be like, oh, well, you're getting exposure. And it's like, well, I could probably get just as much exposure by like building yeah. up something on my own. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you're doing free work for a little game that nobody knows about, like, that's not going to get you exposed. <laughs> Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, yeah. with, skill, with, with stuff like Twitter, like, there really is no lack of exposure, I feel like. <laughs> I'm so exposed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <just> but, <laughs> um, you know, actually, yeah. that reminds me of this GDC talk that I gave um about like the do's and don'ts of of game audio i was on a panel with two other people ryan ike and akash takar um akash takar he's a he like freelances a lot he did the sound design for hyperlight drifter and he has this really great mantra which is don't work uh okay <laughs> i'm trying to remember okay <laughs> It's okay, he says, it's okay to work for free, but don't work for nothing. And what he means by that is, you know, you can, you can do, you can get benefited by, by not getting paid if like something, you're getting something else out of it. So maybe you're doing like a skill trade or you do some sound design work for somebody and they like make your website for you or they get you like, passes to packs or something you know there's there's a lot of things that can that you can get out of a deal and it's not money but if you're not getting anything at all that's when that's when it sucks Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. when it comes to doing like this stuff on your own are there restrictions when it comes to equipment or is it like as long as you have a little bit like of diy magic and like frugality like it could be done there's there's quite a lot you can do with very little. There's kind of this misconception and a lot of bad advice that goes around from time to time, which is that you need like thousands of dollars of equipment just to get started, and that's not true. Like if you you know have a computer and 
some, you know, halfway decent speakers or headphones and a microphone, like that's enough to get started. In fact, you might not even need your microphone. You can just, if you have a phone, you can record with your phone. Like that's, that's enough to get started for sure. Um, and, oh, I guess you need a DAW too, but <laughs> you know, they're free DAWs. <laughs> and uh some software yeah 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 like audacity or GarageBand or even reaper um you can you can get like a really cheap license uh if you're just like using it for personal use so there's like a lot of options and there's quite a lot you can do with with not very much at all uh for the person who's listening that is interested in doing this and taking it a little bit more seriously. I feel like across almost every creative field, there's kind of like this narrative that you feel like you have to play into in order to maximize your opportunity. Um, and playing a little bit into the, the GDC talk you were mentioning, like for that person who feels like, well, I need to move to a city and I have to position myself and, um, and, and this and that, what, what would you say are sort of like the do's and don'ts of, Okay, I have uh, I have decided that this is something that I want to pursue in a a professional context. Um, do I need to go anywhere? Like, do I need to like like what what are some things people should keep in mind when they think about positioning themselves or setting themselves up for? Uh, it sounds really cheesy, but I'm sure there's a better word for it. But at, a, a word everybody will sort of understand, like setting themselves up for success. Right, right. Uh, I mean, I'd say like location is is a thing. You know, like you heard about me saying, you know, Seattle has one one of, if not the largest game audio meetup in the country. You know, that for sure helped me out. So there there can be for sure benefits to where you live. Like if you live in the in you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere and there's no studio, you know, within hundreds of miles, like that is definitely going to be harder for you. Um, with that said though, there is so much you can tap into online so much, like you just have to find the community and that's enough to get started. Um, so like I said, there's, there's an active game audio Twitter community and an active Slack community and once you start talking to those people and, um, you know, asking some questions and stuff, like, they will be more than willing to help out and answer questions. And not even just, like, you know, meeting people to, like, get stuff out of them. It's just, like, fun and encouraging and inspiring to meet other professionals doing what you want to do. So, like, if I could give one piece of advice, it's, you know, find the community and start talking to people. It's such, such a big difference rather than just trying to go about this alone because it's next to impossible alone. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the other thing is just, like, you know, practice your craft. Like, if you're sitting around waiting for an opportunity to come out, come along but you're not working on anything, like you're really missing out. You should always be practicing sound design, playing games and getting inspired. You know, one thing that I did a lot of when I started out, when I was starting out and I didn't have any projects to work on was I would, um, you know, get some, I would rip some gameplay captures from YouTube of a game I really liked, like Mass Effect. And... Then I would put that in my DAW and I'd strip out all the audio and then I'd start redoing the audio myself. So um, that's awesome. That, that's a, a really, really good way to practice. And, you know, I think like when I started out, I made the mistake of like not even practicing enough. You know, I was just like so caught up in and focused on getting my foot in the door and getting that first opportunity that I forgot the most important thing is to like make sure you have some baseline skills because you know you have to you have to have something to show somebody why like that you can do the job you know so you need you need some material for like a reel or whatever Matt did you have any more only one I had or... was uh, does being a drummer in a punk band help you in game audio or, or is it just me <laughs> to get some aggression out after work 
you know, it's it's a big, uh, great way to to let out some frustration for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'd say I'd say being a drummer really helps, like uh, my my sound design work. Like one thing I like to do is really focus on uh, the rhythm of of like a sound I'm making. Like things things are way more satisfying if it's not just like a big like thick waveform slapping you in the face but if you have some like nice steps into like a punch or something uh that makes uh that makes something sound a lot better so like <laughs> when i'm when i'm designing i just like to think about um i like to think about the rhythm of it and like perhaps that's like the drummer and me coming out or like sometimes I'll quantize my session to like a bars and beats grid, and especially when designing like mechanisms or like clocks or something, um, I'll use you know sixteenth notes, eighth notes, and such to to influence what I'm what I'm working on. So, sure, yeah, I think <laughs> I think it, that's awesome. I think it affects what I work, what I, how I work. Is there anything independent that you'd like to share, or maybe just like? Uh... Uh, any socials that you're active in if people want to reach out to you or maybe not at all just like if there's anything in particular you want to share uh, the floor is yours uh, to do so uh, yeah I mean like if um, you know somebody's listening to this and they want clarity on any of the stuff that I said or you know just wants to reach out and ask me questions they should definitely uh, give me a shout out on Twitter. I use Twitter a lot and I love Twitter and I love answering questions and helping people out. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, just follow me at, at Carly, C-A-R-L-Y-E, Knight, N-Y-T-E. I know that's like the worst spelling of a name ever, but there you go. It's the coolest way of doing it. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> that is the coolest way of doing it, and I can I can second down. She 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 has the tweets. It's good tweets. <laughs> Carly, thank you so much for um for sharing that with us and for giving us a better understanding of what you do, and all the the advice for anybody that might be considering taking their sort of like uh, foray into sound design more seriously. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> Coming up, Eric Kane and Paul Tassi discuss their first impressions of the new PS4-exclusive God of War. But first, a quick break. This year, the office cubicle turns 50 years old. and hails from an age when work was done on typewriters and smoking at your desk was the norm. Today, employees are expecting more from their workspace. They want flexible and active spaces where they can collaborate and feel energized. Veridesk Active Workspace solutions make it easy to encourage more movement to any workday. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, boost energy, and increase productivity. Veridesk has a variety of desk solutions that replace traditional office setups, require little to no assembly, and are ready to use in minutes. Plus, Veridesk products are made from commercial-grade materials meant to last a lifetime. They're easy to move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. You can try Veridesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns if you're not satisfied. See it for yourself at Veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I desk.com at farmers insurance we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing and a less than perfect one seen it covered it click for more we are farmers bum, 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 bum. underwritten by farmers truck fire insurance exchanges and affiliates products not available in every state hi i'm eric kane i'm paul tassi let me talk about god of war the uh, the new god of war reboot from uh, Sony that's launching this week. Uh, we've been playing this weekend. I know you've, you've played more than I have, Paul, but uh, I don't know. What, what's, what's your you know your takeaway so far? My takeaway is that this game is blowing me away, <laughs> which I was not <laughs> expecting. Like, I, I've, I've, loved the, I've loved the past God of War games. I was excited to play this one. I, they've shown so little of it, I, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, with such kind of a major shift and it's like, oh, they're doing the behind the shoulder camera and like Kratos is going to just murder a bunch of Norse gods and it's going to be the same thing again. And boy, is it not the same thing again? Oh, no. <laughs> like it, it retains kind of the core of why people liked the first game, but just goes so much beyond it. It's it's hard to even describe without 
having you play it, but I guess I guess we'll try. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to try to do this without spoiling any sort of story stuff. And it is a little hard to describe in words. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward. I, I've recorded a lot of it so far, so I'm going to make videos about this later this week when when we're allowed to. But they mm-hmm. have a streaming and video embargo of the day of release. So I would definitely recommend going into this pretty much not watching or reading anything right. regarding the story. Watch um, some combat or something to get a feel <laughs> yeah, for the you combat. Watch some, like initial watch, combat. Uh, yeah. Don't watch combat later in the game. That's cryptic but that's that's all i'll say <laughs> because even yeah. that itself could be a spoiler um <laughs> yeah. watch early combat get a feel for the, the graphics things like that my, but definitely go into this as blind as so possible. far is that someone on twitter accused me of posting spoilers when i described how you kill like this one random werewolf that's just like a random enemy like you like rip its jaw down to its stomach and people were like whoa spoilers i'm like okay <laughs> yeah that's a little much i'm like I'm let's sorry. let's dial it back a notch here <laughs> but uh i i do agree that this this game is more vulnerable to spoilers than most. So we're going to avoid pretty much any talk about the story. Like we, we can talk about the characters. And I think this is one of the big changes is that just Kratos and his relationship with his son and his relationship with some other characters in the game is really intense and really in depth yeah. and meaningful. And it's, it's been kind of stunning to see where I thought the, at least the first two God of Wars had pretty good stories, but in, in a sense of like 300 had like a pretty okay plot, you know, <laughs> like there's not really much past the surface there, but this is really taking things to a new level where you really empathize with Kratos, the murderous God dude, which I was not expecting. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty amazing to see God of War become a serious a game with a serious, serious and powerful story. Yeah, it's it's very self-reflective, which I wasn't yeah. expecting, and I won't go into too much detail about what that means. But you know, the, it's still it's still very violent, and Kratos is still murdering a bunch of people. So I don't think people are gonna be like, "Oh, God of War has gone soft." It's just it's kind of wrestling with the nuance of mm-hmm. the character and him kind of fighting against being this murderous monster while also continuing to have to be this murderous monster to a certain extent to kind of protect his son and and whatnot and but it's it's a really kind of critical look at the character and kind of the concept of this the series and its ultra violence which again i was not expecting this much nuance from god of war 4 but here we are and it it just i've never seen a series mature to this degree quite quite this sharply both in terms of gameplay but also in terms of kind of characterization and its own I don't know, moral compass or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it certainly has some echoes of like the last of us, for instance, um, in, in terms of having a, a serious story about characters and their relationships to one another in the world that they inhabit. And, uh, that is, I was certainly, if you asked me a couple of years ago, if God of war would ever be like the last of us, I would laugh, but it, <laughs> it's, it's really true. Like it's, 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 it's remarkably good. I mean, I just, overall the production in this game is just so incredible. It's hard to describe. Um, and it just keeps getting is- better. I mean, I, I know you're a couple hours in or whatever. I am maybe I don't know, 12, 14 at this point. And like, it's just, it just keeps topping itself. And like, I've run hmm. into some moments and in, like in the story where I've just been like screaming because <laughs> I just loved him <laughs> so much. And just as yeah. as the world itself really kind of cool. opens up and as the story develops and the characters develop like it's it's only getting better like i don't know how it's going to end i think i might be getting close to the end but it's it's kind of hard to tell um and i just it just keeps topping itself as, as, as yeah. time goes on which i'm thrilled to see well i think the game is supposed to be over 30 hours long so 30 jeez man <laughs> So what struck me as interesting was that as time goes on, the game opens up quite a bit more than I thought it was going to. Uh, like it's it's very linear to start, but you know, without getting into spoilers, like you'll get to a more kind of larger hub area, and sure enough, you discover that you can start kind of exploring all these different areas that are outside of the main quest line and getting side quests and just kind of going wherever you want and looting and fighting like enemies way above your level and it's it's almost a little like skyrim-ish <laughs> for as, as kind of like a miniaturized version and I, I was not expecting that from a god of war game because they've always been so linear and you know they've had secrets and stuff but the way they're kind of integrated open world elements i think is going to really 
kind of draw players into the exploration aspect of it, which is not something the series has really done before. So I thought that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, and it's it's also got a lot of sort of RPG uh, elements in it, like um, a lot yeah, actually. Yeah, like there's a skill tree and. There's crafting and there's upgrading your various items, armor, the Leviathan Axe. Holy crap, the Leviathan Axe is super cool too. Right off the bat. It's yeah, we should talk about the hammer. Leviathan Axe. Yeah, and combat. Um, um, it's the whole core of combat essentially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kratos is such iconic weapons in the Blade of Chaos that you're like, ah, can they really like do anything that cool with like an axe? And turns out, yes, it's amazing. And it never <laughs> stops being amazing. Um, it's just... The act of, I mean, like normal axe combat is cool, but the throwing is where it's really just it's very awesome, <laughs> where it's literally, like you said, it stores hammer. It comes back and it hits people both ways. And I, I absolutely love it. And I, I, find, I don't know if you've done this, but like I find myself doing entire encounters that are nothing but axe throws. <laughs> well, yeah, there just, was actually one of the first hard encounters I, I found. I, I died a couple times and I was like, okay, I'm going to try something different. And I just did a lot of axe throwing and it really helped me out, you know? Well, because you, you keep yourself out of danger mm-hmm. when you're at that far of a distance with, with most of these encounters. And if you're up close and personal, that's a way to get hacked down pretty quick. Yeah. But if you can just keep up like kind of repeated axe throws, that's that's what you want to do in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, you don't have a lot of life to begin with, and it's kind of d- tricky to get more. Um, so you can get you can get taken down pretty fast by hard hitting bad guys, and especially when you're fighting a whole mob. But man, is combat to, satisfying, yeah. isn't it? Satisfying. Oh yeah, that's great. It's it's it really it's is so and good. My best experience so far was. Like you said, like you don't have a lot of life, and I accidentally stumbled into kind of a higher level area that seems like it's like end game content, and you fight a really powerful enemy, and I was like, I'm not leveled enough for this, but I just kept trying, and I learned the enemy's attacks, and I kept parrying and axe throwing and using Atreus, and I I beat it, and it was I I didn't get hit once in like mm. a 15 minute fight, and because if you did, you just essentially died because I was so under leveled, but like. The fact that I was able to do that like does kind of imply to me that there's a lot more skill in the mm-hmm. hack and slash nature of this. It's not like Dark Souls level, but it's it's integrated enough with skill now that it's a really satisfying experience. It's, it's it is very much. I loved combat. It's like Dark Souls, though. I mean, it certainly has more in common with Dark Souls than this game ever has before, because That's true. you know before combat you know it's combos and and uh quick time events and stuff but now it's it's you know you have a lock on just like the souls games you have a heavy and light attack you have a shield which you can parry with you you can barrel roll out of the way um and of course there's lots of other stuff going on there's other there's combos and there's skill the skill tree will, will give you new attacks and we don't get into that too much so there's there's a lot more that that isn't souls like but it certainly has some similarities, especially with you know the the free third person camera and everything else. It's it's a huge departure from what it, from any previous God of War game in terms of combat. And yet, it still feels like a God yeah, of War game. Like you violent. do a heavy attack, you bounce someone up in the air, yep. and they're floating there, and then you hack them a few times. Like it, it definitely still feels like God mm-hmm. of War, despite these changes. And even if it's you know axe centric now, it. I, I don't think it's lost that kind of God of War spirit and the stuff that it has lost. Like, man, do I not miss quick time events? Oh, no. <laughs> like that is a relief not to have those anymore. Yeah. The, the um, combat manages to be cinematic, but at the same time, very skill based. I know what you mean about like, I haven't, I don't think I've fought an, an enemy that tough yet, but certainly like at first I was getting killed more as I learned just how to, how to play. And then you do learn how to, get you know dodge out of the way or parry or you know just not get hurt as much you know yeah and each enemy there's a lot of enemy variety so like that variety keeps you on your toes and uh it's just very very gratifying to play this game <laughs> what surprised me is how useful i find atreus where mechanically like you never control atreus but you can just kind of direct him to shoot people with arrows and then like mm-hmm. sometimes he'll choke people out and he gets a couple special moves later on, but I have I have max leveled Atreus at this point because I've just found him so useful. Because if you can get his arrow arrow cooldown like really low and then power it up, like you can chunk people with his volleys of arrows like nobody's business. And I, I think it's a cool 
the whole the whole Atreus thing works because not only is he like a good character and an important part of the story and a key part of why the story works, but from a gameplay perspective, he's also way more of an asset than he is a burden. And I think some people might be worried. It's like, oh, this is like an escort quest thing. And I, I'll, I'll say he's more he has more in common with kind of Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite mm-hmm. um, or or Ellie from The Last of Us. But even Ellie in The Last of Us, you still she's like, oh, I can't swim. And you had to like transport her around on floating rafts and stuff. But this you you really have no real responsibility for Atreus. And he just kind of takes care of himself and just shoots you. And I thought it was funny when you get to certain segments like there will be like a trap that Kratos has to avoid, but then there's usually just like a vent or a little hole or something your kid can crawl into yeah. <laughs> and just avoid the whole trap. You're like, oh, dwarves made these tunnels. <laughs> it's like a way of getting around that. But they make him like like a hundred percent an asset and like zero percent liability, so you never mind traveling with him. Yeah, no, and he's he's not annoying. Like it looked like he might be kind of annoying, just like talking all the time, but. It's actually a really interesting relationship between between Atreus and, and Kratos. It's it's not it's not annoying at all. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, and it gets it gets more interesting as time goes yeah, on. Like I'm, I'm sure I won't say too much, but like Kratos and him have a very specific relationship at the beginning, but then it, it really in, evolves into something different by the end, and like you can see the progression yeah. as you go, and it's I, I haven't really seen anything like that before. Um, it's it's really cool to see the um the leviathan axe uh is also used for a lot of the game's puzzles uh so there's a lot that that goes on with that axe beyond just combat um and that's kind of the the game is a lot about from what i can tell so far anyways you know obviously the the fast brutal combat but also about puzzle solving exploration um and just kind of immersing yourself in the world which is just a really cool world they've created it's just gorgeous for one thing like oh, yeah, it's one it's of great. the best i wanted to take so many screenshots oh, and then i'm just like ah oh, no i can't spoilers well i mean <laughs> i've taken a lot of screenshots but i just don't i'm just not sharing any of them even even taking a picture of kratos right now like i couldn't even show you kratos because he himself is now a spoiler that, like, <laughs> that may sound not like nonsense but like there's just so much that happens in this game that I can't even share. It's it's kind of the biggest surprise for me so far in 20, uh, 2018 because easily, know, I, I just thought, you know, okay, this is like, okay, they've changed the camera and, you know, they've done this and that. And it's going to be like, okay, it's probably going to be okay. But, you know, I've, I haven't been excited about this series in years. I mean, honestly, like I, I, I'm fine with the God of War series and I've been playing them since the beginning. But it was never my favorite series, you know, and it sort of had – for me, it had gotten kind of old. Like I'd moved on to, you know, different kinds of games like Dark Souls and things like that that I enjoyed a lot more. But uh, wow, I'm just, I just, I can't believe how much it succeeded and triumphed over, I think, everybody's expectations. I mean, I think we're looking at yeah, a potential I, game of the year. Oh, I mean, it's, it's certainly the front runner for me right now. I mean, I, I we, you know, we'll see what comes out by the end of the year, but it's hard for me to see something passing this and like i play a lot of games and like i don't say that lightly and like i'm usually pretty critical of stuff and this is just it is so hard to find flaws with like a couple things here and there like fast travel is kind of weird i think the inventory upgrade system is a little janky but overall man it's it, it might be a 10 out of 10 for me like i didn't write our official review but it's pretty close and like, we'll see how I feel by the end, but I'm only liking it more as time goes on. So yeah, I, I would have no problem personally giving this a 10 just cause I have not seen anything like it. And it was just, it was so out of nowhere. Like, yeah, I've like got a war, but man, this is next level. And like, I, it sounds like I'm overhyping it, but I don't even think I am. Like, I think people will agree <laughs> yeah. that it's, it's literally just that good. And I guess we'll see, but it, it's hard for me to imagine people being disappointed with it. Yeah, it's 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 exceptional so far. I, I just talking about it makes me want to just go play it more. So, you know? I'm gonna go play right after yeah. this. <laughs> I, I got to finish writing something, but I'll, then I'm gonna be playing it. Um, and it's it's certainly also a game that I wouldn't, you know, I that I don't feel like rushing through at all. I I want to enjoy it and explore and do the side stuff and just take my time. And it, the world is just so it's so lush and interesting, and the characters are so interesting. And I, I it's just it's almost like a whole new a whole new series but with you know it's it still plays into where where the series came from too so that's nice 
Yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably touch back on this game in another podcast once we've finished it and we can do a more of a, a review with actual maybe some spoilers on the story and things like that, because I think that'll be interesting to talk about. But for now, you know, like look forward to this game. This is a game you, you know, if you're if you're a PlayStation gamer, this is a big deal. And if you're not a PlayStation, if you're gamer, an Xbox gamer, you should buy a PlayStation. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sorry, Xbox guy. Like you guys have Sea of Thieves and um, yeah, enjoy that. And Sony gamers have uh, have God of War and, you know, dozens of other exclusives. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think and isn't this game reviewing even higher than well, is it about as the same as Breath of the Wild and, and Mario. Odyssey? It's like one notch under but hmm, yeah. i might be enjoying it more than breath of the wild i don't know it's such a different it's that's tough dream. to say it is a lot different like it's it's hard to compare like this to like super mario odyssey yeah. and breath of the wild but but it's right up there man, in terms of like it's, masterpiece it's up there like polish yeah, it's, and... it's in the same conversation mm-hmm. for sure and that's and like i think gta 5 is reviewing it like a 96 a metacritic and like it is certainly better than gta 5 yeah, that's <laughs> i'll just, say that that's that's that game well. way over reviewed but oh yeah it did i mean it's a great game and in lots lots of fun and everything but it's not it's definitely not a 96 i don't know yeah i mean that's just the hype you know everyone played it and everyone was so excited to play it and i i, I don't play you know that's the thing about reviewing like if you review something kind of early on a lot of times you review it i, I feel like a little higher than you might if you waited sometimes that's the opposite is that true, happened right? to me in, in destiny yeah 2, destiny like, 2 is a great my game. first playthrough of destiny 2 is actually really awesome and i think the first playthrough in that game works really well but obviously that's a game that needs mm-hmm. longer term content and like since i wasn't reviewing that i probably scored it higher than i would have you know four months later or whatever yeah, exactly. I think Destiny 2 is the perfect example. And I think Destiny 1 is is the, a good example of the reverse where, you know, all the, a lot of the reviews for that game early on were pretty negative. But then as the game changed over time, you know, if you went back to re-review Destiny three years in, you'd probably get much better scores. Yeah, um, I don't think God, I don't think that'll be an issue. With no, God no, it's just not that type not. of game. Um, like they might, I don't know what they're doing for DLC or if there's DLC or whatever, but I it's great now. It'll be great yeah. <laughs> at launch. It'll be great weeks from launch. It's yeah. Isn't there something nice about like good single player games that, that you do just sort of avoid all that. I mean, we have so much game surf games for service these days and there's you know, mm-hmm. constant updates and it changes and the balance changes and they, you know, it's, it's always evolving and changing, but like a, just a really polished, excellent single player game is pretty cool. Yeah, it's still great. You I know? mean, even, you know, I wouldn't put Far Cry in the same conversation as God of War, but that was a really good game, Absolutely. too. And that sold like crazy. Yep. And like, people were really into that just because it was like a really good single player shooter. Yeah. And, and, and of course, I, that I think one still a huge market for that. You can play co-op and PvP. Yeah, you, yeah. Um, I mean, there's co-op elements to it and stuff. But it's, I, I don't think that's the main draw. <laughs> right. It's mostly a single player game. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, I would also say that I don't think Far Cry 5 is like on the same level, but it was a great game. So I, I definitely... Uh, I can. I, I think it's I deserved its its sales and, uh, but this one I I'm really curious to see how this one sells because it's. I mean, I it's going to be. A, if you own a PS4, you need to own this. So I I have to imagine, and with mm-hmm. you know 80 million PS4s or whatever up to now, I I have to imagine it's going to do well. Yeah, like extremely well. I mean, it's it's tough when games are exclusive and they don't usually do as well, but. It is literally a must own for the system. It is definitely, I think, the best game, the best exclusive for the system. And that's even with Uncharted 4 and Horizon Zero Dawn, which are stellar games in their own right. Well, I'm not going to um, say this is better than Bloodborne yet because Bloodborne well, is yeah. just so <laughs> I know you love I, I personally probably would, but I can see how that would be a debate. Yeah. But it's up there. I mean, it's it's top five. It's also going to be more accessible than Bloodborne 2 to a wider audience. Yeah. It's got a challenge. Um, with an established series and it's somewhat easier than bloodborne <laughs> yeah i haven't played it on the hardest mode i bet that gets oh, no, i'm not I, i'm not that person so i'm just playing it on normal <laughs> yeah normal for me too well I, I play games on normal especially if like i'm trying to write about them and i know they're really long <laughs> you know because it's like i can't spend all this time dying and, and getting really good at it i have to just get yeah. through the through the game um exactly you can't do that with bloodborne you have to just say especially yeah. if you're reviewing <laughs> it before the servers are online and and like you can't get no and stuff. Anyway, like, yeah. it's really hard <laughs> Uh, which was what I experienced with that game. I was beat it, you know, by myself and it was really hard. And uh, yeah, this is way more accessible. So anyways, yeah, if you own a PS4, I, I can't imagine why you wouldn't get this game. So 
and if you don't own a PS4, get the get a PS4. It's the it's still the best system there is. I, this the Nintendo Switch is all fine and good, but the PS4 is still the best game. I mean, I, I wish I could play PS exclusives on Xbox One X. Yeah. <laughs> and everything would be perfect. <laughs> and then transport it on the go like the Switch. Yeah, a, a portable Xbox One X that plays Sony games. That's that's yeah, the dream. That's all we need. Right that's, uh, <laughs> easy. Just someone yeah. make that. Yeah, let's Atari. There's your into the market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, maybe if Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo could just have a kumbaya moment. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, thanks for listening and uh, go play God of War. That's it for this episode of World. Thanks for listening. I'm Matt Perez. And I'm Satchel Drakes. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach us at overworld at podcast1. That's O-N-E dot com. And also you can reach us on Twitter. My handle is at Satchel Drakes. That's Satchel like a bag with an extra L. And mine is Matt Ryan Perez. Thanks for listening. Take care. to Podcast One, Office Hours with Spencer Raskoff. Listen to the CEO of the Zillow Group as he talks to his latest guest, Ariana Huffington. The goal of a machine is to minimize downtime, but the goal of a human being is different. For the human operating system, downtime is a feature. It's not a bug. You can find his show and other great business-related shows like Forbes Interview and Forbes Under 30 exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. At the border. I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying. And the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.